0: Thanks a lot and uh, uh, it was uh, indeed uh, very useful to have already this morning a very good introduction from Simone. So what I'm going to to present here is uh, uh, some recent effort uh, that uh, we have been doing and we are still continuing along this line to try to understand what is uh, uh, the interplay between the dynamics of populations and uh, realistic modeling of uh, uh, flows so uh, what i'm going to talk about is in particular the case where we have uh, turbulent flows so a non-trivial multi-scale a multi-time correlated transport process and um, I will show you also some of the features which emerge already at the level of uh, transport of uh, particles so you may think that your microorganism living uh, which could be Uh, For example, uh, plankton or uh, uh, bacteria in marine environment uh, um, have just some physical properties, for example, the shape of their body, uh, their density, and so they get uh, transported. On top of that, of course, uh, they like to eat, uh, they reproduce, uh, and so there are these two Independent aspect, of course, the understanding of a uh, transport per se, uh, which has been done also in past year, that I will try to review because uh, I presume that not everybody here is familiar. So please stop, uh, as it is usual. So we may go on until uh, Greg... Uh, <laughs> imposes. Yes. And, uh, and then uh, I hope I'm able to to give you an idea of how um, this effect that uh, um, in the beginning one may think as being rather subtle or small, may have a dramatic effect uh, on macroscopic, uh, on the macroscopic behaviour of colonies, so for example already at the level of uh, carrying capacity of our ecosystem so let 's uh, let 's move on. I begin uh, acknowledging uh, and uh, thanking uh, the collaborators, but actually, uh, as you can see, several of them are here aside unfortunately for uh, for Roberto who uh, then I would like to to thank uh, particularly not being here so this is uh, from some uh, work uh, of uh, of David of course uh, um, one of the questions. Uh, Are of interest, and that we saw this morning with the modeling presented by Simone relates not only to the dynamics of the population itself but also on the genetic of the population. So the way uh, mutants or different population living in the same ecosystem may um, compete with each other or uh, uh, live together or even expand, for example, to new territories. So so this uh, sort of of experiment, uh, which uh, up to now uh, we know uh, happened only once, eventually we don't know, (laughs) Um, can be reproduced much more conveniently on a petri dish where you have a, a colony of bacteria which just grow and actually grows uh, uh, in a very uh, you know, simple way. Uh, one of the important things that I, I want to discuss indeed is what happens to such a simple situation when you have a, a fluid transport. And we will see the modeling that, uh, that uh, we are going to need for that. And of course, uh, um, next, uh, there will be more interesting, even more interesting questions which are related to the situation where, for example, uh, a neutral mutation or uh, even, uh, for example, yeah. Mm-hmm population which are differently fit to the environment and here we differently fit to the environment when you live in a, in a fluid uh, environment and may also relate to different physical properties you may have for example plankton with slightly different density or different shapes and these uh, um, uh, has uh, an important consequences because uh, uh, turbulent transport will uh, as we will see will produce Different segregation, and then this uh, may uh, result uh, in uh, an advantage or a disadvantage. So, these are indeed uh, some experiments in a situation where you have no flow just uh, on, on a very simple uh, petri dish. But uh, uh, for the rest of the talk, I will not, uh, I will not focus on, uh, on a situation where we have uh, no more than one population. So I will just focus on one population, and I will describe a different variance with respect to what Simone did. I will describe it uh, um, not uh, at a level of particle base, but as a continuum. So we'll have a concentration field. and. Um, the two approaches, so the particle-based uh, description and, uh, uh, of course, all the machinery that you need to have to study the influence of turbulent transport, probably next week, uh, uh, well, I hear that uh, Prasad may tell you do something more when you combine uh, the two things. So that will be the first chapter of the story, putting everything together. I try to simplify, uh, so I have several slides. Please interrupt, but uh, I think, uh, as I anticipated, that I need to say something about turbulence, and then I will try just to uh, ask uh, or, uh, to ask, and then hopefully to give some partial answer to these two questions. So, what is the effect of turbulence on the dynamics of population, and in particular, what is the effect of compressibility on the dynamics of population? Because most of the game, uh, which is associated to the influence of turbulence, is not only related to the transport but to a sort of effective compressibility, to which I would like uh, uh, to, uh, that I would like to discuss in some details. So, of course, when you think of a marine environment, uh, the situation is pretty scary because, uh, um, well, there are many things which may go on, and every time you may try to quote some numbers, uh, well, these numbers may also vary by order of magnitude in the sense that already the turbulence level may, may change a lot if you have a very, you uh, know, uh, quite a nice day or if you are in a storm, and, uh, well, I mean, presence of nutrients may change uh, locally and in time. You see some of these factors which are here, for example, the treatment of, of bubbles, turbulence, circulation, uh, wind acting on the surface, precipitation, and then, of course, all the thermal issue, and uh, last but not least, of course, the presence of uh, light, which is very important, for example, for sort of photosynthetic uh, uh, organisms. So this is uh, just to show you the complexity of the problem and uh, um, to anticipate that what I'm going to do is dramatic, is a dramatic simplification of all of this. But hopefully to, uh, I'll be able to, to retain some features which are general enough to learn some lessons that can be uh, applied in a wider context. So, If you have questions or doubts, please. Um don't hesitate to ask. So this is how it looks like when you look at very very small scales. Of course here there is a, a large variability, you may have a very very different organism which uh, as I was mentioning have very different uh, biological but also uh, physical properties in terms of size, shape, uh, for example density and uh, even capability of swimming. So you know that uh, you can have a zooplankton which is swimming but you also have a phytoplankton which is able to swim and also some bacteria uh, are able able to swim so of course when you want to know what happens to um, a large population uh, you may think that this population is just transported by fluid currents, so you don't really need to look at very, very small scales. It is just passive transport uh, going around with the flow, you need just to have uh, the surface velocity field, and that's it. Uh, well, if you think about that, uh, it's not uh, really like that, because eventually what happens to the individual organism depends on what uh, he has around himself, not what happens uh, one kilometer away. So what is important to know is, of course, the local concentration, the le- local conditions in terms of turbulent stresses, presence of nutrients, uh, and uh, this coupling between uh, the very, very small scales and the scales uh, um, is of course one of the challenges in the problem. So if we look, uh, uh, I think that some of this picture had already been shown, if we look at uh, large scales, indeed uh, um, it is quite clear that um, there is is uh, some complex uh, phenomena going on uh, which can be, uh, for example, realized by looking at the fact that you have a very non-homogeneous distribution here. And uh, one of the important questions is how it comes, and what are the implications of this on, uh, for example, the size of a population, eventually the genetic, uh, in the future. This is just an example to show you that even, you know, very very small uh, organism. Uh, I mean, there, there is a lot of uh, complexity and uh, variability in terms of uh, biological and physical properties, and um, well, not only zooplankton. Uh, uh, is, uh, is uh, swimming. but uh, So another important point which is a little bit, I'm mean, not talking about this in details, is uh, again the more general sort of biological processing which is going on in, in a marine environment which uh, proceeds uh, uh, from of course the life uh, and the death of uh, uh, of populations, uh, and uh, the interaction, for example, with microbes, uh, and uh, the production of uh, uh, organic uh, residu- uh, residues that uh, that may aggregate and fragment. And uh, uh, again, here the, the turbulent transport play a very important role in, uh, um, for example, determining the size and the dynamics of all uh, of all these processes. But okay, uh, after this. Uh, Um, rather um, general introduction to the complexity of the problem, I want to discuss immediately some aspect which is essential for what we are going to see uh, immediately later and particularly the kind of modeling that uh, we are going to do. So when you um, go around and look uh, in marine environment, it is uh, often uh, um, realized that, uh, um, for example, uh, the is not distributed uniformly in, uh, in uh, the vertical the direction, but it is uh, in some uh, rather small layers. So, of course, uh, a uh, small layer is uh, still in the order of, uh, say, tens of meter, which is, of course, extremely small when you compare it to the size of a uh, marine environment, but is uh, very big uh, with respect to the size of, uh, of individual uh, uh, organisms. Now. Um,
1: are those fingers understood? And why are there special discrete uh, layers within the overall uh, maximum?
0: Take out like that? Actually, I don't know. I have to say, but indeed, another in seems not. Yeah, seems 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 not be always uh, always uh-huh. present. But different species. Uh huh. Yeah. ...some, some I'm saying, you know how they do that? Do they do it by creating gas bubbles inside them? Yeah. To to form uh to form Valeria. yeah. Um. So also the size, uh, the size of these uh, of these uh, small layers uh, can vary a lot. So you can have uh, uh, from uh, hundreds of meters, kilometers, and uh, also the persistence time can can vary a lot. But I mean, it's been reported that you can have also um, thin layer which resist uh, for uh, several days, and uh, I think that this is uh, at least the. the the most recent review that uh, that I could find on the topic. So, if you if you're interested in the topic, probably this is a good starting point uh, um, to to look for more literature. So, but uh, what uh, what I wanted to show um, from this review is again. Uh, collection of idea which uh, clearly show that there may be many mechanisms for which you form this small small layer. So um, as a a physicist uh, trying to understand the influence of uh, of turbulence transport my conclusion is that in the end I will not care about that. I mean I will just assume that there is some generic mechanism which is able to confine you in some uh, some thin layers and I will look at what are the consequences of this. But uh, before going to that I mean let me just uh, quickly review some of the um, mechanisms which has been proposed and uh, I think that all of them are actually quite interesting to be studied in details because uh, again they can teach you a lot uh, about the interaction between the single organism and uh, the flow transport. So for example one, one of the mechanisms is just purely um, transport, for example in a strain flow, this of course depends from, from um, local flow conditions. You can have uh, um, Swimming, so you may have this organism prefer uh, to stay at some uh, distance from the surface. This may be, for example, because um, if I go to, to the surface, maybe they have too much light, and if I go uh, to below the surface, uh, they don't have enough light. In any case, they can uh, be able to regulate their position, their vertical position, by swimming or, for example, by changing their buoyancy. So you may, have, uh, you may act on the stratification, change uh, your, uh, your density and adjust, uh, and adjust your position. Um, you may have a combination of hydrodynamic and uh, um, self-propelling uh, effect, uh, which is uh, uh, something I will spend a few words uh, more, and this is called uh, gyrotaxis, so you have a uh, um, tendency to swim in some direction and then because of interaction with uh, the local flow um, you may have um, um, actually um, as a result you may have a convergence in uh, some particular uh, in particular regions. You may also have uh, indeed uh, uh, because of uh, particular condition, for example, optimal light level or nutrient level, you may have just that the growth is faster in some layer. So it is uh, uh, actually the vertical non-homogeneity comes because of a different different, uh, rate of growth. And uh, uh, you may have actually that there is uh, some intrusion, for example, of nutrients uh, um, on some particular particular level below the surface. So probably these six are just, uh, um, I don't know. A subset of all the possible things uh, which may happen. To your point
1: of information, maybe they're experts in the audience and I should know this, but phytoplankton technically means anything in the ocean that has uh, like do photosynthesis or anything that doesn't
0: swim? It can it swim, can, it can It can the swim, sorry. What people would say that Anything photosynthetic might be
1: a bacteria, hmm. bacteria. Even, even bacteria would be an example of flagella cyanobacteria. thing cyanobacter.
0: yeah. yeah okay so, okay, again, this is uh, showing the complexity of all, uh, of all uh, the situation. I'd just uh, like to spend uh, um, a few words more about uh, one of these phenomena, which is gyrotaxis, uh, which is uh, actually uh, a nice interplay between, uh, indeed, the swimming capabilities and uh, um, fluid transport. So, basically, this uh, phenomena emerge because uh, you may have an organism which doesn't have its center of mass in the same position of the same Center of buoyancy. So under this condition, you will get a torque because of gravity. And so if you have an organism which uh, always tend to to swim uh, ahead, you will be in a situation where normally you will, for example, swim uh, going up vertically because of presence of gravity, which will bring your center of buoyancy to the bottom. But because of the presence of uh, turbulent flow. You will have a torque acting on the body of uh, of the organism which will tilt you. And of course uh, uh from the uh, combined intensity of these uh, two phenomena you may have a very rich and very complicated uh, uh, phenomenology as we will see later. But I mean for those who are interested this is I think a classical experiment which is showing you indeed how um, you can have uh, um, motile alga which get focused in the center of uh, this cylinder um, or uh, dispersed away according to the direction of the flow. So here you just have a different uh, direction of the flow in these two, in these two pipes. 1985. So, um, more recently, uh, there was a, uh, some other experiment done in Roma Stoker group, which is actually studying uh, uh, the same, um, the same uh, so actually the, actually, this, uh, the, this work here, if you look at this work here, there was uh, already also mathematical modeling for, uh, for, uh, for the phenomenon, not only the experiments. And uh, this is a more recent experiment, so you, you may want to look at both. And, uh, and this is a picture from the more recent experiment, again showing uh, that uh, you can have uh, indeed uh, um, the formation of a strong uh, um, um, concentration uh, layer. But I repeat, for the sake of what I'm going to discuss, for me this is just one of the possible mechanisms. I hope that uh, I was able to convince you that uh, um, organisms living in the sea um, often don't stay uniformly distributed, so it makes sense to consider a situation where they are distributed um, in thin layer. And what I would like to discuss now is how thin is this thin layer. So are they living in three dimensions or are they living in two dimensions? So This is a very, very important point, because uh, it's at the base of the modeling we are going to do. So, um, the point I want to discuss here is connected to the fact that uh, if you have, uh, suppose you have an organism living in the sea exactly on a mathematical plane at a fixed distance below the sea level. Then uh, you would expect that they get transported by turbulence, and out of this turbulent velocity field, they just move with the two horizontal components of the velocity field, because just they are constrained that can, they cannot go vertically. So, this velocity field is a compressible velocity field, because it's just the two uh, components uh, in a plane of an otherwise incompressible velocity field in three dimensional space. There are no doubts that if uh, uh, organisms are confined uh, in a mathematical plane, then the model that you need to use is that of a compressible velocity field. Now, of course, uh, the important point here is to understand that uh, uh, it's impossible that they get confined in a mathematical plane. So what are the typical length and time scales which are relevant to the problem? Now, because we want to look at uh, the uh, population dynamics of the organism, the important uh, time scale that we want to consider is the typical reproduction time of an organism. I want to know if I have, uh, if I have an organism living in the sea, I want to know if uh, during his life he experienced a three-dimensional velocity field or a two-dimensional velocity field. What I need to look is at uh, the lifetime of the organism multiplied by a typical uh, vertical velocity given by turbulence diffusivity. So if this times is uh, long, then what will happen to the organism is that it will go around let's say it will go a little bit vertical, and at some point. To remain confined in the layer and will continue to live in a situation like this. So, so uh, without confinement, it would have gone somewhere up here. So, of course. Uh, the answer to the question, are the organisms living in 3D or in 2D, is related to uh, the time of observation at which uh, I look. And so it's related to the lifetime of the organism. And as we will see uh, immediately uh, I mean in, a, in a few minutes, the time of life of uh, plankton and bacteria in oceans is much longer than uh, the time scales of turbulence, so the fastest time scales of turbulence is uh, shorter than the lifetime of the organism. So, in effect, uh, even if uh, uh, the thin layer is much bigger than the size of the organism, is much bigger than the dissipative scale of turbulence, What is important to remember is that when you look at timescales, the organism can go around and actually feel himself confined into a two-dimensional layer. And this produces an effective compressibility. So if you look at long times, these uh, these, uh, organisms will not live exactly in a plane, but will live on something which is uh, bounded by this distance h, and not by the integral scales of turbulence in, in your ocean. So please ask a question if this is not convincing uh, for you, but this is the base of why um, I'm going to introduce uh, as a model system to study the population dynamics and introduce a two dimensional compressible turbulent velocity field. So the point are observation that Many of the organisms tend to live in rather thin layers. Two, the thin layers can be considered thin. can be considered thin enough when compared to uh, the space and to the distances explored by organisms during their life. Okay?
1: These Greek letters, Epsilon, uh is...
0: is the size of the organism? So this is the size of the organism. The size, the dissipative scale of turbulence. The size of the layer. The integral scale of turbulence. So the organism is very small himself. smaller than uh, the smaller scale of turbulence. So which is smaller than, uh, than 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 the layer, which is much smaller than the integral scale. It's is not about scales that we should think. We should think about times. So A- that is. My. Yeah. yeah.
1: And that isn't the same as homogeneous isotropic turbulence. After it,
0: all, is, it is. It is. It is. It is. I'm considering, yeah. It would more.
1: be something like a Kamagorov cascade, but yeah. it could have all the yeah. richness and differences associated with oceanic yeah. dead layers and
0: deep, of stirring of
1: by the wind.
0: Of course. Something like. It. But because of a qualitative, not only quantitative, but qualitative effect that I'm going to talk about is connected to the compressibility, I wanted to make the point very clear about how and why uh, we are going to assume that there is some Small compressibility in our system. Then what uh, David is saying is perfectly right in the sense that I'm also assuming that uh, here we are in homogeneous isotropic turbulence. In a realistic situation probably it would be more correct to have uh, some stratified turbulence or uh, I don't know in particular condition you may also have uh, some disomogeneity which depends from the where you are uh, uh, and many other things. But as a matter of fact we know that turbulence can tend to be uh, quite universal uh, in the sense that uh, despite the way you steer it, uh, when you look at smaller scales, is quite universal, so I would expect that the model from that point of view is quite a good starting point. So okay, there is this separation of scales, but uh, I repeat, the important point here is to consider uh, uh, times, so the relation between times in, the, in this process. And uh, I want to de- give you immediately an idea of how dramatic uh, can be this effect. So here uh, I'm building a very, very simple model. So, U is uh, a three dimensional velocity field from homogeneous isotropic turbine. So, this is an incompressible velocity field. And now, what I'm saying here is that I'm just picking some uh, layer, Z0, and I'm saying but the velocity of my organism is just modified with this sort of uh, elastic uh, recall term. So if I'm going above z-naught, I get a, a contribution to the velocity which is bringing down, and if I below, I go up. Yes? So when you talk about this isotropic turbulence, really this factor is not very deep in the ocean, right? Is there some effect that you cost of the surface will change? Yeah, I mean, I think that this connects uh, to the question of David, how much um, the idealization of homogeneous uh, isotropic turbulence is relevant. Uh, Well, uh, it's a first uh, approximation. I would expect, again, that the tendency to to be dimensionalized is a more important effect. I mean, its impact on the dynamics of the population is, uh, is more important, as we will see later. Later, I'm going to play with this compressibility parameter, and we will see that things change dramatically from having zero compressibility to even a small compressibility. But of course, then one could play could play indeed. The- more elaborated uh, games where you have more realistic uh, non-velocity field and so on. So this is also a very simple mathematical model. Okay, so this is an incompressible velocity field, and here you put this recall term, which is actually letting the dynamics of this uh, of this uh, organism deviate from tracer. So uh, if you were just following uh, this velocity field here, you would just uh, feel an incompressible velocity field. But this is not incompressible because of this uh, of this term, and you can have different. Regime. So k going to zero, the strength of this term is zero, you are just perfectly tracer, you go everywhere, you are incompressible, and k going to infinity, you are confined in this mathematical two uh, dimensional plane. Okay? So these are the two extremes. So k
1: would be a uh, could be the, uh, an overdamped damp point.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's a very simple model for, uh, for uh, let's say, uh, an effect of buoyancy which uh, tends you to to, to stratify yourself uh, no, in some some layer. How thick is this layer will result from the competition of the intensity of u and the intensity of k. And I'll show you some uh, qualitative uh, results. So, here,
1: sure. Yeah, I did understand the last point. Yeah k goes to infinity, then you just have an up and
0: down velocity, you know. well no, if you No, if you, if you have k going to infinity, if you are at z equals z naught, you're fine. But as you move a little bit up or down, you just get a very strong force, which is bringing you again to the plane. So k going, k going to infinity is basically confining you on the two-dimensional plane. Uh-huh.
1: So what would be the reason that I mean, we heard earlier that, that it can be substratification? In the pattern of plankton depth, and different species could live at different depths. So, what would the reason uh, for that be? Is it to get too close to the, the breaking waves of the ocean, they get that messes them up, and if they're too deep, they get less lo- less light. So, is there some compromise, and different species would reach different niches? Is that the picture? That's the integration of all those things in that slide. Six the six things. Well the no is uh I think another aspect is uh there is of because the surface
0: you have more the So you want to put out the balance there. yeah. I also don't know if there is actually an issue about the intensity of light because I know that photosynthesis is indeed a neat slide not even too much so you may have an optimum too much light is bad too, is bad too. yeah so maybe there is indeed some optimum or uh, some the uh, distance but okay so this is a very simple model but uh, let's have a look what happens so here you start uh, without any i mean you're just free to go everywhere this would be just a tracer no 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 tendency to t- stratify and then when you increase k, you see that this is a three-dimensional visualization. You get uh, confined in two layers. So I can show you better if I look from a side. So this was uniformly distributed, uh, homogeneous, isotropic in three dimension. And then as I increase k, you see that I start to get confined in a layer. Okay? So yes, I get a formation on such a layer, but let's have a look at what is inside this layer when I look from the top. As a result, I get also non-homogeneity in the plane. So indeed, because of this uh, tendency to be confined in in thin layers, I get also a compressibility effect that I can see immediately here, and as you can imagine, and this is what we are going to see later, uh, this dramatic effect on uh, the dynamics of the population, which is uh, filling the local concentrations. Okay. Questions? So, say it I will have a very, very quick uh, overview of our turbulence. So, of course, turbulence uh, is everywhere, not only in oceans, but uh, I just want to spend a few words about how we study it. So, we know the equation for a viscous fluid. These are the equations, and uh, of course, to have uh, turbulence, you need to put the fluid in motion. So, like you will do in the water, shaking it with your hand, you need to put some forcing here. So, this forcing is injecting energy in the system, and this term here is conserving energy. It's simple to say, is to see. This term here is a Lagrangian multiplier keeping the incompressibility, the three-dimensional incompressibility, and this is. Uh, a dissipative term, so it's removing kinetic energy and producing it. So if you stop uh, shaking your system, after a while it will stop. Okay, so this is, uh, this is the equation for a viscous fluid and this is a result of uh, a yeah, numerical simulation of this equation. But uh, um, the system develops a complicated phenomenology in the sense that uh, when you shake it uh, at some distance, uh, let's say l not, so this is a typical uh, size of you know, the movement of my hand, um, some eddies are produced and these eddy uh, can destabilize to produce a smaller eddies, smaller eddies, smaller eddies. Eddie, and uh, these terms here start to be irrelevant only at the smallest scales. So that's why we say that in turbulence you have uh, um, multiple scales and multiple time correlations. So you have this eddy at some given size and some given correlation time and these other eddies are smaller and there is also shorter correlation time. And there is a cascade of uh, eddies and uh, how many you have from here to here basically depend on how strong you shake it. So this dimensionless number, which is the Reynolds number, is basically telling you uh, indeed what is the scale separation between these two physical different phenomena. Here energy input, here energy output from the system. Okay. And dimensionally, you can estimate all these things. Uh, well, this was done by Kolmogorov, for example, in 1941. And uh, you can study the statistics of this uh, of this uh, system by looking, for example, at fluctuation fluctuation of the velocity. And um, well. That's, uh, that's about it. This is how it looks like. So if you ask yourself how much energy I have in any one of these uh, vortexes, you can look as a function of uh, the size of a vortex. This is actually one of the, the, the size of the vortex, so the wave numbers. So these are the biggest vortexes. And then you develop uh, um, a spectra where Different vortexes carry their own energy and then uh, eventually the system is dissipating the energy. And you have uh, this energy which is flowing from the large to the small scales. Now this can be described in terms of some mathematical modeling that I will not spend uh, many words about. But what I want to say is that these systems here are also very complicated to be studied numerically. So it's not, uh, well I mean, uh, because of these uh, many degrees of freedom that you have in your system. The system is going to be extremely expensive to be uh, simulated numerically. You can estimate how many degrees of freedom you have. So this is the scale where you put energy, this is the scale where you dissipate, you live in a three-dimensional space, and so this grows as a Reynolds number to the nine over four. And I mean, typical numbers that you have in the environment are in the order of Reynolds ten to the eight, ten to the nine, and so you can make your computation how big a computer you should have. I mean, let me say that... uh, Well, what we can do is probably um, something about Reynolds to the 6. So we are order of magnitude below any, let's say, environmental, uh, or most of the interesting environmental application, but still we can learn, eh? we can learn from the system. So it's a little bit less uh, intense turbulence, but uh, we can learn. And so we do it. So
1: there's another computational point you made a couple slides back. You said pressure is annoying because it um, influence propagates at the speed of sound which is effectively infinite and so everything communicates with everything so there's a trick for avoiding that
0: Well, actually, indeed, uh, uh, when you have this formulation here, which is exactly incompressible, this will tell you that you propagate information faster than the speed of of light. So yeah, Uh, so, well, who cares? Well, you care, because when you put it, uh, for example, on a computer, it means uh, that you need to have uh, um, communication between uh, all possible. So when you put this uh, big system on a computer, you do it on parallel computers, and so, this time here makes communication between all possible processors. So you live with, it. yeah, we live with that. So um, yeah, but it's uh, it's uh, yeah it's a point. So there are also some other numerical methods, for example, lattice Boltzmann methods, that actually uh, don't need uh, to have a pressure solver, so they are slightly compressible. So uh, what you pay is that you are not exactly zero here, but uh, indeed you s- you may save. Uh, so, okay. I mean, this is uh, this is uh, something uh, very challenging, and of course. Uh analytically you don't proceed um, much far, because uh, it's a system which is out of equilibrium, and uh, well basically all the statistics that I just which is here, we are not able to compute from the equations, so we don't have a theory for that. So basically numerics or experiments is the best way to go, but it's, it's very challenging. And this is indeed uh, the kind of uh, of effort that uh, that you deal with. Now to just give you the an idea of the complexity of even the simplest situation. So, this is, uh, you may think of uh, uh, indeed. Uh a um, bulk of fluid which is homogeneous isotropic, and you look at the vorticity, so surfaces of vorticity. So, even in homogeneous and isotropic situation, you develop a very complicated structure. So, vorticity at small scales get uh, such a very complicated uh, uh, behavior. And so, the question is what happens when you have something which is uh, transported by this flow? And the simplest things you can think of is just a, a very, very smi- small organism that doesn't swim, that is just transported like if it were a molecule of water. So what happens to a molecule of water which is transported in turbulence? And this is what happens, is that, this happens that to get transported and sometimes, from time to time, is experiencing indeed the, the vorticity that I was just showing here. So at small scales in turbulence you have very, very strong uh, vertical events that, of course, may be irrelevant, uh, for example if you have, uh, uh, if you think of a mosquito flying uh, in the air and then you have a storm. Well, he will feel these sort of things. I mean, this is actually what you feel, uh, in a sense, is what you feel when you are in an airplane and you enter in a turbulence, and they say there is turbulence, and you feel it. So this is, of course, relevant also for organisms living uh, uh, in the oceans that uh, they are transported by turbulence and they will have to to undergo these uh, this kind of events. And this is how it looks like. I wanted to show you how it looks like. So if you, you can imagine that these are all uh, small organism going around and you sit on one of them and this is uh, what you see this is the, actually the mesh box, <laughs> normally it's not there in the ocean so you can forget it but uh, what you can see is that most of the time you just go quite smoothly you rotate, Uh, well, there is no preferential direction because uh, statistically it is isotropic and homogeneous, but from time to time you get a very strong uh, um, tilting uh, and that is associated to when you pass in these regions where you have higher vorticity. There's
1: no cell
0: divisions in this No, no, here they are just, you know, boy, just smarties, uh, colored smarties, (laughs) and let me show you how it looks like if you just put some of these particles and you let them go. So this is instead no looking uh, no in a laboratory how the uh, turbulent dispersion would, uh, would uh, uh, behave. Okay, so as I said, I mean there are these extreme events that uh, uh, I'm skipping all the more um, complicated things, but I just want to give you an idea of how extreme these things are. So this is the acceleration, no? you can think of acceleration that you feel if you, you, know, if you are uh, on an airplane or, you know, uh, normally we experience acceleration which is 1g. Huh? So this is acceleration that uh, uh, an organism living in a turbulent environment experiences. So this uh, is a probability distribution function rescaled scaled with the variance. So normally when you have a Gaussian distribution, this would be something which has a variance which is 1. Okay, so we'll go just down like this, around one. So here, I- yes. So here, you see that uh, we have a, a distribution which has events which go up uh, in this case almost to 80 times the variance. So the no, the average uh, fluctuation is one, and you have a large number of events which can go up to 80 times this value. So it's an extremely wild uh, phenomenon. So. It's uh, indeed I mean it's called uh intermittent in you have uh, known times when nothing is happening and then you get get a very strong uh burst. Sorry? Ten
1: to the sixth Reynolds
0: number roughly yeah. Uh this was probably lower, ten to the five I would say. But I mean, the shape of this uh, will not change much, change but uh, will not change much. Uh, so, uh, why this is important? Why well, this is important also because uh, organisms may also uh, be damaged, for example, by maybe not only acceleration but, for example, by stresses which are exerted on on, uh, on their body. But do, you, but do you want those stresses to be varying on the scale of, of, of
1: microns, 100 microns or something? Is that plausible? turbulence doesn't go down that.
0: No turbulence. Turbulence will uh, will have um, a cutoff scale which is uh, bigger than the size, eventually than the size of the organism. But uh, below that scale, so you'll get you'll get you'll get, a, you'll get a, yeah uniform strain. Yeah, if it is yeah yeah because it gets uh, it gets such a high intense peak that uh, may also damage them. So okay, this is what happens if you have the very, very simplest possible situation, so very very small organism. But then, often you have a situation which are more complicated. For example, you may have a different density of a, of a plankton uh, with respect to the to the fluid, or uh, um, you may have, a, for example, uh, a different size, and so. Okay, you can use some mathematical models to see what is happening, but uh, well the point I want to make is that whenever you have uh, different properties from the from the one of the fruits, for example, you have a different density, again, you have a tendency to produce some preferential concentration. So uh, the organism will not stay everywhere the same. There will be some regions where uh, they, they are more concentrated and some regions where they are less concentrated. In particular, um, Okay. qualitatively speaking, if you have uh, organisms which are denser than the fluid, they will tend to be expelled out of vorticity region, and if you have uh, organisms which are lighter, they will tend to go in higher vorticity regions. Okay, So all these things have been, uh, let's say, studied uh, in great detail with very large statistics for the case of non-replicating, uh, of non-replicating organisms. But I mean, we have all the measurement of acceleration, which is experienced as a function of the density ratio and so on and so forth. And here also quantification of how uniform they like to stay. So you may have different indicators for that. This is basically giving you the fractal dimension in space that uh, normally if you are uniform, it will be free. And you can see that indeed uh, you may get uh, um, two very smaller uh, values. Okay? This so.
1: is the Stokes
0: number. This is the Stokes number, and this is the density ratio with respect uh, to to the fluid. So basically, beta 3 will be a case of bubbles, uh, bubbles uh, in water, so a very very light uh, organism in a very dense uh, uh, fluid, and this other situation here, beta 0, will be the case of instead a very dense uh, particle in a, in, a, in a light fluid. So okay, and this, is, uh, and this is what I was saying, this is instead the probability to concentrate in uh, vertical or non vertical regions, so you can see that uh, indeed uh, um, particles which are lighter tend to like uh, to go in regions with higher vorticity uh, and uh, the ones which are denser tends to get expelled from higher vorticity region. Now. Okay, This is uh, something that we hope to use in the future to understand in more details the smaller scale dynamics, uh, also with uh, the, the kind of model that Simone introduced, indeed, uh, to understand how at the small scales these interplay can impact uh, on the uh, growth and death rate uh, of, uh, of organisms. And to give you a better flavor of that, I'll show you here indeed in the same snapshot. This is the same fluid, and uh, in this same fluid, I revolved a particle with different density, so some of these organisms are light and some of them are are heavy. And what you can see here is that indeed they tend to go in two different, uh, they tend to live, I mean, this is a complicated and chaotic flow which is transporting them in a very complicated way. But is basically maintaining a segregation between them, just because of some of them like to go more in vorticity region and some get spelled. And so if you, for example, um, ask yourself, uh, uh, what may be the competition or uh, no, the, the, the effective interplay between these two different types of organisms which may be the same but they just differ because of density. Well, there is a, a physical effect which is associated to the turbulent transport which produces segregation and then will impact again on the dynamics of the population. Okay? Okay, and this I will going to skip uh, the way to quantify these things. Then another effect on which I will be going very fast uh, is uh, uh, the size. So you may also have uh, that you have plankton which aggregates, and then you may get at this point size which are comparable or bigger than the dissipative scale of turbulence, and that again has an important uh, important influences. So and we have okay, we have uh, we have been studying them, and then recently there are some work that uh, basically uh, used all these uh, statistical observable and also numerical uh, technology to study the interplay I was talking before between uh, swimming and uh, uh, turbulent uh, transport uh, with uh, in terms of uh, gyro so um, basically the model are quite simple, you have again your turbulent velocity field, on top of that uh, the organism tends to swim in the direction p with some constant uh, swimming velocity, but uh, you may have uh, um, a tendency for example from gravity, A can be gravity, you may have a tendency to reorient yourself uh, in such a way because uh, because you have a center of mass and center of uh, of volume which uh, differ, and then you have uh, um, turbulence which may tend to tilt uh, the organism, so this very simple model produce actually a rich uh, phenomenology, also again in terms of uh, effective compressibility, so preferential concentration in some region with respect to others. So, but uh, I'm going to skip uh, the details. So now what I'm going to look at uh, is indeed uh, at the effect on the, on the global population. Okay, so this is uh, basically out of this, uh, this work. And before doing that, I want again to consider a little bit numbers. So, as I said, these numbers should be taken a little bit with caution in the sense that I guess that they can, uh, estimates can vary quite widely. But uh, talking about order of magnitudes, uh, uh, the smallest uh, time scales uh, in oceans uh, for turbulence uh, is uh, about uh, in the order of minutes, while the largest scale can be even ten, tens of days, 50 days, we estimated here. And now the interesting thing is uh, when you look at uh, the replication, doubling time of organisms, for example, cyanobacteria or phytoplankton, and they are in the order of tens, tens of hours, 10 hours. So. Definitely much uh, uh, bigger than uh, uh, the uh, Kolmogorofo uh, scales of, uh, of turbulence. And so this let you immediately understand that uh, you cannot simply neglect turbulence. So you cannot say that the replication of the organism is happening much farther, faster than the turbulent transport. So you could say, okay, I'm going to solve my population problem and then I just advect it or the opposite. It is not happening uh, infinitely slower, so that you could say, okay, I just advect it and then, you know, turbulence is just a sort of white noise. So actually you need to, to consider the two things at, at the same time. So. Of course, something that uh, uh, has been considered in the past uh, was also the situation of, and that uh, Simone discussed also, was the situation of uh, surface flow. So, surface flow again uh, presents compressibility, but uh, indeed, uh, we thought that uh, surface flow is not the most. uh, the most uh, um, representative type of flow, for example, when you want to study plankton in this thin layer, because they're actually living some distance below the surface. So that's why we, we, we thought that it was much uh, more, uh, more relevant actually to consider this thin layer taken out of a three-dimensional uh, uh, turbulent field. So what we did is, was instead of using uh, the field layer approximation was to take uh, a three-dimensional turbulent velocity field and just cut a plane out of this. Okay, So if you cut a plane out of this and you just consider the two velocity components in the plane, this is our um, effective compressible velocity field, which is want, wants to mimic uh, what is felt by plankton in this layer in ocean. So it's a, it's a very simple model, the simplest that you can think of. But uh, well, I hope that at least it was clear the kind of uh, motivation and assumption that bring us here. So this is effective a uh, compressible field. you can indeed compute the divergence of you, and uh, I mean, if you look at the function of time, it's also fluctuating, and this is what you can call the degree of compressibility. so this is, uh, this is something which is quite obvious. and on top of that, what we did. Was just to focus on one single uh, population, so the population is just uh, described in terms of a concentration field c. The concentration field is transported by this velocity. Two-dimensional. Uh, it's not. It's not a two-dimensional turbulence. It's a two-dimensional cut out of a three-dimensional velocity field. And uh, okay, we have some diffusivity. this diffusivity may also be due, for example, to the capability to swim. so if you have know uh, some organism which is able to swim, d may account for this uh, increase in diffusivity and then we have the most important terms, which was discussed already by Simone, so I will not uh, spend much words. so this is just a log- logistic group okay, so that's what uh, we used, and the, sorry, yeah. Uh,
1: Huh.
0: Why well, don't know <laughs> and this is how it looks like. So when you put it a uh, computer and you integrate uh, this plus this, this is how it looks like. Of course you have many parameters you can play with. First, how intense is turbulence, the Reynolds number. So we didn't play with that, I mean we just kept uh, fixed. The uh, Schmidt number and uh, most important, uh, the dimensionless uh, growth time. So this is uh, uh, basically the um, replication rate and it is made dimensionless in terms of the dissipative scale of turbulence. So basically this is uh, um, Uh, smaller uh, than one is telling you that uh, you are slower in reproducing than the fastest time in turbulence. So, okay, uh, if you look at this, you may already realize that actually, uh, well, actually uh, looks like what we saw in some picture from the satellite. Again, I want to stress that we are going to play with this parameter, putting ourselves uh, with the respective time. So, if you make the inverse of this, which is the time of life, we want to put this time here in the middle. Eh? So, we are not going to consider the extreme the, the case of much uh, faster or much slower. We want just to put it uh, like, you know sense, we want to put it just in the middle of uh, the inertial range. And what we look at, well, we start from the most important, so how many, uh, uh, how big is the population size, so we just total count of the population, and, uh, um, ok, let's see what happens. So. I said, this is our equation here, and uh, before discussing what we see in turbulence, I want to remind you that in the case you don't have any velocity field, this is what is happening. So you get just the Fisher wave going. So you start with some initial uh, population in the center, and then this is growing with some constant velocity given by the Fisher uh, speed but uh, let me play again the movie so in this movie here you see you see exactly the same equation which is integrated with uh, u equal to zero and here with our u which is uh, no, from, from turbulence and is compressible because it's this two dimensional cut so let me play again so here you see that you always grow and here you see that uh, you have a very complicated dynamics but most important you remain confined in these uh, uh, small uh, sort of Almost one dimensional uh, localized patches, which are of course uh, bring that around by, by by turbulence but the qualitative important qualitative difference is that here you keep going and here you remain localized okay okay. And, uh, well, I mean, you can do some more analysis here, I will not uh, uh, focus on all of them, but I mean, you can really look also at uh, the fractal dimension of this object, and I mean, indeed, they are very close to one, and, uh, okay, maybe it's pushing a little bit too far to to compare it (laughs) with what you see from satellite, but it's quite clear that uh, that there is some qualitative, uh, uh, at least some qualitative uh, similarities. So of course uh, uh, this model can be used now to study how the different parameters can uh, influence your results. So in particular you can look for example at uh, what happens when you change the um, diffusivity. So if you have for example organisms which are able to swim better than others. And as you can see um, here. So, this is starting from rest, then you start to steer turbulence, and here is the same simulation done with different uh, diffusivity levels. And this D is bigger, so this is uh, some organism which is able to swim uh, no, more intense. You see that the total carrying capacity increases. So, there is an important increase of the carrying capacity because of the possibility to, to have a, a large diffusivity. So, um, you can. Um, Um, interpret this in terms of the fact that uh, our uh, um, compressible turbine velocity field is confining you in a geometrical uh, space which is smaller than the space that otherwise would be available and this produce a reduction in the total size of the population and if you are able now to you are able to escape a little bit from this uh, smaller region and so that goes to the advantage of the size of the population now, in this, uh, in this plot here, what i 'm going to show is instead uh, how things change for example, this is the total uh, population size, the carrying capacity as a function of this dimensionless parameter mu times tau eta. so the, um, the limit here would be for uh, um, an organism uh, um, that uh, um, organism that reproduces very fast, so in this situation here um, Basically, you go, you go to 1, you don't feel, uh, you don't feel uh, the turbulent transport, so you are uh, in the fast uh, reaction limit. And the other, the other limit here, instead, uh, mu going to 0, would mean that uh, um, you have um, a replication time which is very big. And uh, indeed in this case you see that uh, there is a dramatic uh, decrease. So if you go from 1 to 0.2, basically this is telling you that the total population size is uh, reduced because of the turbulent transport is reduced by 80%. So I mean I'm not talking about the local dishomogeneity, here I'm talking about how many organisms can live in that uh, particular ecosystem, where for ecosystem I'm just considering uh, only one aspect of the turbulent transport, (laughs) all the other parameters are kept fixed. I think it's just two different simulations. so it you can just uh, forget about the different colors. Okay, so there are these, uh, these two, let's say, extreme limits, which is the fast reaction limit, um, which will be this one, and uh, no reaction regime, which is this one. And indeed, uh, you may ask yourself, uh, uh, particularly, I mean, this this limit here is trivial, now you can ask yourself about this limit, which is also particularly intense uh, to be studied numerically, because you are in a situation where your your reaction is uh, is happening very slowly. Uh, But you may think that if you go in this regime here, actually your equation is basically uh, reducing from this equation to this equation, so because mu is going to zero. So but you want to know, for example, if this limit is singular, so what are, the similarities between solving this equation for a very small mu I think has change point, huh, which is uh, more reliable the, the wood than, uh, than the battery laser, so you want to ask yourself uh, um, what happens to this equation with very small mu and uh, can be this uh, compared with this equation at mu equal to zero i mean is the limit singular or not, and okay, this is something that indeed uh, we could. Uh, we could verify by first observing that in the stationary regime of uh, these terms average to, to G is zero, so if you do an ensemble average of this equation you get uh, first uh, this relation between the average concentration and the variance concentration, basically telling that the average of this term is zero, and these uh, allow us to make uh, um, Basically, to make an ansatz and to check these answers, which is giving us an expression. For example, for the carrying capacity, uh, in the limit of um, reaction rate going to zero, so in this limit, uh, as a function of the variance of the equation without uh, um, without the reaction. So this and. Uh, Okay, so this we could verify, and we could do better. So we could also verify that the full statistical properties of the concentration field for the two systems are uh, indeed very close. I mean, without uh, statistical error that we have. (coughs) Okay, so. Another important thing, uh, I mean, even uh, from a qualitative point of view, is to try to characterize the size uh, no, uh, of the uh, uh, regions where uh, our population is living. If you look at, uh, indeed, uh, this plot is quite clear that you have uh, concentration gradients which are quite peaked on uh, on smaller uh, regions. And so, what we wanted to understand is how to define a typical size uh, for these patches, and um, and the possible of defining this is in terms of the gradient of uh, our uh, field, for example if you use p to mimic uh, the case of mu equals zero, and this um, is, um, this xc um, is basically can be considered as a a correlation length for our uh, um, fluctuation in the concentration field, so the size, uh, the small scale size of our patches. And uh, okay, we could also relate uh, the total size of the population um, as a function of uh, Uh, the size uh, uh, of the patches. So this is how the size, uh, uh, the total size of the population goes as a function of the small scale property eh? of uh, of the organism in our turbulent field. And uh, uh with this system, you can study many other things. So, for example, you can study what happens in presence of mean width, and again, you can check uh, um, how the total size of the population is is changing as a function of uh, of the different parameters. In principle, indeed, you can play with all the parameters. I mean, the parameter I was just saying before Reynolds number Schmidt and uh, um, d- 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 dimension rate. So it's a it's a it's a model uh, that uh, that we use to to investigate a number of uh, of these things. But probably the most important question that one uh, want to want to answer, and that I'm going to address now, is how things change as a function of the compressibility. All the things I presented so far were just done taking blindly. A c- two-dimensional cut from a three-dimensional uh, turbine velocity field and that had uh, some level of compressibility which is uh, pretty high. So maybe uh, if you get a field layer in the ocean which is localized but not so much localized you would expect that indeed your population will still continue to feel some some effective compressibility but maybe uh, there is more value so you would like to understand how all this scenario here is now depending on this critical parameter which is the compressibility level so let me skip uh, that and uh, let me just go then to my second question so um, what is the effect of uh, the quantitative uh, uh, level of compressibility that we have in the system system and we can play a trick so we keep uh, again we take a two dimensional plane out of our three dimensional simulation but what we can do is uh, to project it uh, on the uh, divergence free uh, part and take uh, the the compressible part and uh, once we make two projections we can recombine them together with some coefficient let's say epsilon and 1 minus epsilon and changing this, uh, this parameter that here is called uh, theta, I mean sine of theta, we can basically um, produce a a, a dynamical evolution of a uh, two-dimensional cat with a tunable level of compressibility that can go from uh, from very small to very large. Okay, so we did uh, the same study that we did before. In this plot it is reported indeed the total population size carrying capacity as a function of the dimensionless growth rate and the different curve here are relative to different compressibility level. So K1.75 a uh, situation with uh, a quite important level of compressibility. So, you see that, uh, okay, if you are in a situation where your reproduction rate is extremely fast, nothing changes, and your carrying capacity is the, the, the maximal one that you have in your fish equation, the one which is supported by the ecosystem without flow. Your organism can stay everywhere, and they, you know, they just feel an homogeneous environment. Now. Well, no, no forget, I mean, that's, uh, I will not uh, discuss it. Um, now, uh, let's consider indeed one of the levels which have uh, oh, important uh, compressibility. When you start to have uh, some uh, growth rate now which start to be bigger with respect uh, to tauita, and uh, that's where you change color, Simona. <laughs> so, um, basically, you, you enter in the inertial range, okay, so you start to, 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 to have a... Uh, you see that there is a dramatic uh, change here, and a dramatic drop in the total population size. The same happens for all the levels of compressibility, but for the smallest level of compressibility, it happens much slower. Okay? So you may think that if you are here, uh, well, with uh, probably a reasonable level of compressibility that you have in the ocean, the carrying capacity is not decreased much. But we should be careful here and we should see what are values for these mu tau eta which are in the ocean. We said that indeed the replication time of organism is in the order of 10 hours and is 5 minutes. So if you make an estimate you probably realize that in most situations you should better be around 10 to the minus 3 or 10 to the minus 4. And so if you look even the curves with a small compressibility level you realize that if you go here you may still have a drop in the total carrying capacity in the order of 20-30%. So the point uh, I want to make here is that uh, Compressibility is important, impact on the total size of a population, even when it is very small. And there may be many physical reasons why your uh, population feels an effective compressibility. Inertia, uh, confinement in thin layer, there may be many reasons. Uh, How it comes? Well, it comes because Having a compressibility, you will deviate from the material line of the flow, not much, but if you live long enough, then this deviation will become more prominent, and this effect is accumulated over time. So, okay, what I see at small compressibility level is basically just shifted in this direction, and for the
1: The actual, the actual number is ten to the minus two. That is, if if it's a five-minute. Inner scale, a turnover
0: time, and a 10-hour uh, lifetime. Then it would be like 120. It, it, it just. I thought it was about 10 to the I mean, maybe wrong. I thought it was about 10 to minus 3 with just the number five. Yeah, but. Calculation in my But 10 to
1: minus
0: the minus 2 is still significant. For yeah. So probably all these numbers. Uh, can oscillate and can fluctuate by order of magnitude, as I said just in the beginning. But uh, it's clear that uh, the region that is of interest is that one, I mean not, not, not other regions in this plot. And okay, uh, you can associate the time with your compressibility level. you can play all the usual games that I will not go through again, so you can also study the statistics of all these fields as varying the compressibility and doing all these uh, statistical analysis basically, uh, let me just go uh, to my conclusion. you can. Um, make a parametrization for the curve that I showed before. So these are the curves um, which are just, uh, you know, now depending, uh, are parametrized with different level of compressibility, and you can actually understand how to rescale them on a sort of master curve, which is just function of this parameter here with the compressibility level to some exponent that we could measure we could fit but we could also estimate we could give a dimensional uh, uh, estimate for this and so i think this is uh, this curve here is actually quite important because now it would allow you in principle also to extrapolate to different degrees of compressibility that we were not able or we didn't simulate and um, yeah i think this is um, basically uh, more or less uh, getting me to the end of, uh, of my talk as I said uh, I just wanted make, uh, to make these uh, two important comments that uh, um, there may be many physical reasons why the effective field felt by organism in realistic turbulent uh, marine environment has some degree of compressibility that turbulence together with compressibility make a quantitative uh, impact on macroscopic quantities not only on small scale fluctuation which was obvious but also no on macroscopic quantities like uh, total uh, carrying capacity and that even a small level of this compressibility can actually produce a big effect because of this long uh, life of organism in uh, in turbulence so I think this is uh, this was Basically, based on these, uh, these two work here, and uh, actually, Simone has been talking more about uh, instead the particle uh, uh, modeling in view of uh, studying genetic I- issues, and I guess that uh, Prasad, uh, will is, is going to talk about something which is combining the two things so this is uh, Yes. So you show these photos from
2: up real high of a large area, and you know you can see the plankton, the line, uh, but the length scales that are more relevant to your simulations are, are pretty, I mean, really small, right? Or are they? Where is it? I mean, how does it? I mean, obviously, the different scales of the ocean and everything's gonna.
0: I can rescale it on, I mean, I, 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 this, uh, this uh, study was done in dimensionless numbers, so the only important number here is the ratio between the largest scale and the smallest one. That's really the physical uh, difference, uh, the relevant number. That is associated to the Reynolds number. Then once I make, um, let's say, a study with the same Reynolds number, I could rescale my integral scale to be one meter or one kilometer. And statistical property of uh, of the fluid would be the same, so it is hydrodynamic similarity.
1: If you take your smallest scale to be the thickness of the planktonic layer, so is 25 meters, then this ratio and the Reynolds number he's talking about would probably give you kilometers, or, you know, kilometers. Yeah. maybe tens of kilometers. It's, it's not irrelevant in that sense. So people,
2: I mean, but these things uh, happen at different scales though, right? I mean, people see these things uh, by measuring uh, with acoustic measurements and optical measurements down, and you can also see, uh, you know, uh, from, from, from space, or from up high, uh, These, I mean, so, I mean, you have these layers at different scales, right? I and mean, I'm just asking about, like, where do you see these?
0: Um, I mean, where do you see these, uh, these, these um, structuring? Do you see structuring? These
2: scales, or are they only at r- really large scales, uh, these layers forming in nature? You're asking about experiment or observation? Yeah, yeah, just...
0: Well, I'm... Um, so is probably the best answer you so can. Your
2: model would apply to many different scales. Right? Yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, my model actually is uh, is making no assumption on uh, no, um, what is the mechanism which is producing these uh, these layers. This was your question. So, if the question is uh, where you can find these uh, these layers, I uh, should better refer you, for example, for this review. I mean, this is quite common in many. Um, it's been observed, I think, all over uh, the Earth. I,
1: I have a quibble on your terminology, but maybe others could disagree. You say that the, the bugs, it's important that the bugs live long. It, it, uh, they, they're immortal, right? They undergo they have, they have cell division, and in that sense, they're immortal. I would say it's like that they reproduce slowly.
0: Yeah. It's just restating, but yes.
1: that's a relevant well, thing.
0: Yes. They're doubling time. Yes. Doubling time is long. Long yes.
1: compared to the yes. here. Yes. They're immortal unless they're eaten. They're <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Nothing is immortal. But in principle they're immortal. Uh, <laughs> unless there's an aging effect that people studied in fact with bacterial yeah. well, health relevant time Many many of your patterns look like the patterns that Walter Goldberg has seen on the surface that he generates bulk turbulence. Looks at surface scum or whatever. What's there? Is there a? I don't see a reason why you couldn't apply your formalism to that sort of.
0: You can definitely. I mean, it was actually. You see, for example, if you consider 2D turbulence. The turbulence is, uh, is really a different uh, phenomenology, so it's, it's, it's very different. So I think that it would have not applied for this sort of study. And surface turbulence is also something which is peculiar. I mean, as I explained, I think that... Uh, so qualitatively, I would expect that you'll get similar results because that is also a compressible velocity field. So probably qualitatively, the picture will look very similar, but... Even uh, quantitatively, it might be similar because
3: I think he's using mushroom spores. things
1: that stay
3: on the, on that layer. Well, uh, yeah, but the free surface flow. So if you have a free surface flow, you yes. have to think of boundary conditions now. And so the, I mean, if you think, for example oh, take like this uh, case, it's a 3D box, and you have taken a cut, and just on symmetry conditions, you can say that you can find out what the compressibility is. And it's same for every layer of the 3D box. Whereas when you think of a free surface flow, yes. as you are going down, your compressibility levels are changing. So, in that way, the statistics, although the, if you look at pictures, they might look exactly the same. But when you start, what do you mean, when you go down, I'm staying at one. Yes, but I mean, in this case, uh, it's a realization of 3D isotropic turbulence, and I'm just taking a cut. In that case, it's a free surface flow. and a free surface flow, when you go down the surface, each layer has a different level of compressibility. Mm-hmm. So well, what I'm saying is that when you start to do statistics on that field, all yeah. the pictorially things might look the same, if you think of yeah. the correlations of velocity field and other things, they
0: would have different. For example, values. the vertical, I mean, I think that what uh, Prasad wants to say is that uh, when you are on the surface, you will not have a vertical velocity. So that's already telling you that uh, this plane with respect to other planes which are in the bulk, must have some difference. And I mean, maybe subtle differences. so. When you look at uh, the full, uh, all the moments of the statistical distribution, maybe you'll find that uh, there is some difference in level of. Great
1: point is a good one in some overall sense and you used uh, the results for setting u equals zero to get an estimate of carrying capacity. That he very close to all the problem. Yeah. Uh, except his mushroom scores on the time of the experiment are not reproducing themselves. Yeah. Correct. and so that's the that's the new thing yes. beyond yes. that beautiful stuff on, on looking at floaters yes. and so forth Correct. so they reproduce and then they can compete and they can have mutualistic interactions also yes. you know, Correct. All
0: sorts of richness. I mean, let me say that indeed this was, as you saw, a very simple, uh, but I mean, well-defined model, and uh, the qualitative uh, and quantitative results of this importance of uh, compressibility is a general results that I would expect to stay, even if you change a little bit, on you know, now how you define uh, your velocity field and I perfectly agree with you that there may be one billion uh, um better motivated and uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> more I, intelligent choices for the velocity I, field. I, I'm but uh, more how an experimentalist might say, "Okay, how will I make it?" Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I agree the idea I yeah. well maybe no, Sure. Walter Goldberg could test this. Sure. The well, actually he was uh he was interested, right? Yeah, we had the uh,
1: I think Paul Rainey and maybe others in the room have been interested in organisms that in their life cycle go to an air-water interface for a while. And so that, I think something in the lab on a more modest Reynolds number scale would be fascinating. So you don't really have it built into the model explicitly, but the implications be in those dark areas where the population is lower? Um, would those be nutrient-rich areas? Yes. In terms
0: of nutrient availability. Right, so, you know, no, actually. Actually, now uh, all the things we do is this. So, uh, if you like, uh, so I mean. Simplicity. So in a sense, uh, here you have uh, competition for resources that you may think in terms of, you know, it's just too dense, uh, and so maybe that is inducing some lack of nutrients. But, I mean, we don't have a further modeling. I mean, you could add on top of this other modeling, like in a modulation of mu, which depends. That's a great
1: question. We we, we need to put nutrients in the model. Right now, nutrients, as far as we know, are not particularly buoyant, uh, so they will have less be less subject to compressible flows, so they'd be more uniform than this, but the clearing out it, it, it could be very important, and in my opinion, we need to put another equation for the nutrients yeah. and see what happens. Yeah. It has not been done, the nutrients are basically assumed to be uniform. Uh, and then there's a clearing out in the sense that the, there's a 1 minus C in the logistic equation. but uh, there's a separate dynamics of the nutrients which are probably going to be more uniform locally uh, because they're not, they're, they're not buoyant. But uh, I mean, you need a source. Yeah. We, they're up they're well. We, in practice, they're coming up, I believe, oceanographers in the audience, should correct me, they're coming up from the depths, I see. And so there's a constant replenishment from the third dimension coming into this cut that you're taking. Yeah. So a simple model would say, oh, that's just constant. But in reality, uh, there can be patchiness in those nutrients, number one, and number two, as was just suggested, they can be cleared out. Uh, so the hope is that they're replenished on a time scale that's fast enough uh, so that this is not a, a, a terrible caricature of reality. Certainly a caricature. Hmm. 15 minutes to get worked up before. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.